Blog Talk Radio. It's a gridiron stud show and a promo that's got the flow. Football knowledge from toe to toe with Amo, Calamino, and the other host. You already know Chad Wilson brings you the show. Dial us up. Give us a call. We're waiting here to talk some ball. 347-633-9365 is the number to call. So don't sit around. No time to stall. Giving you football from wall to wall. And now we give you our two hosts. Amo and Chad with your breakfast toast. Final days of 2015 here, Emil Calamino. Uh, you and I are here for the next hour with our uh, loyal listeners, and we're going to talk college football. We're going to talk the uh, week 17 of the NFL season. Uh, not as much at stake as in years past, but uh, some interesting games with some implications nonetheless. So we'll talk about that, and uh, we'll uh, talk about the bowl games that just passed by, including several last night and the day before, and we will preview the uh, very important bowl games, the ones that everyone has been waiting for, which would be the uh, couple of playoff games that we have on New Year's Eve, and then uh, the bevy of New Year's Day games that we have coming up here on the next hour of the Gridiron Stud Show. If you want to join us on the show today, the number to call is 347-633-9365. Again, it's 347-633-9365. You also can follow us on Twitter at Gridiron Studs, and uh, you can follow my co-host on Twitter. What's your What's your Twitter handle? Let the people know out there. At E Calamino. That's at it. E Calamino. It doesn't get any simpler than that. You know, I'm in this recruiting business, so I follow several kids that are recruits. And uh, if you see just how complicated uh, the Twitter handles can become. Nowhere close to some of these kids' names. So if you were trying to look, no, I should have been in the military. I'm all about simplicity. Uh, yes, there you are. So it's E Calamino at uh, at E Calamino on Twitter or at Gridiron Studs. You can follow us on Twitter if you so choose. Because you know why you need to follow us on Twitter, Emil? Because we bring the truth. We forecast things. We put you ahead of the game. Like we knew what happened yesterday in Philadelphia was going to go down. Did we, oh, did we, we did. We, we we knew that when the, when it happened in 2013, so we were really ahead of the curve. That was like the years, remember the couple back-to-back years we had the Super Bowl champion in August? Well, that was about as as close as we got with the day they hired him. We said it won't be a long marriage. No, not at all. Uh, he's just the next in a uh, line of college coaches who have decided they wanted to try out the pro football ranks. They wanted to take their off-beaten offense, their gimmicky offense, and uh, try it in the National Football League, see if it works. If it works, great. I'll hang out there and be considered uh, one of the all-time greats because I won in college and I won in the NFL. And if it doesn't, hey, you know, I'm better for the experience. Now I can go back down a level to the college football game. I can pick the job that I want and kind of go from there and make myself a legend. I mean, it's well, a couple things, though. First of all, he he claims he does not want to go back to college, and I have a feeling he might get his wish because there's the obvious marriage of him and uh, Mariota in Tennessee right now. 
that that seems to be the talk. And of course, as we talked about, no one no no one that we know can name ten players on the Titans. So if anything, you've got to be entertaining if you want to be the Tennessee Titans. And what better than to bring Chip Kelly and you know marry him up with your college coach and uh, college quarterback and sell your fans hope for a few years? Yeah, well, do you share this with me? I think that's going to be a complete and total disaster in Tennessee, should that happen. Well, I I think it will be, too, but that's not the point. The Titans are a disaster as it is. I mean, they're 3-12 and right now. They seem to be 3-13 and every season lately, or 4-12, and so what's the difference if if it's a disaster as long as they sell tickets for a couple of years? Well, Emil, let's look at it this way, and I want you to take off your Cowboys hat here for a moment. Did you find Philadelphia's offense entertaining over the last season and a half? Did you find um, it at any point? Are you, as a Cowboy fan, I found it entertaining because I enjoyed watching it get blown uh-huh. up you when they take played. Your cowboy hat off. Take your Cowboy hat no, off. No, I didn't find it that entertaining. I mean, I found it kind of predictable. He, he actually, if you read about some of the things he believes in, he believes in a small playbook, you know, so there's less plays that you execute at a high level. The, the Eagles' offense, after a while, became very predictable. The first year it was good when he had Deshaun Jackson there, and it was new, but I didn't think of, I didn't think it was any more exciting than, than any other offense. Well, you don't have uh, the ability to be too complicated when you're running a hurry-up offense. You're not huddling. You're yelling out, uh, you know, one or two syllables, and then a play is being run. You can't get too complicated when you're doing something like that. So simplicity has to be the order of the day when you're not going to huddle up and kind of talk about what it is you're doing. And if you can call a play by holding up a picture of of someone or something, you're not going to be too complicated. It's just trying to get you to miss a line and not be ready and be tired and everything else that goes on. So that's that. I think the offense, Emil, and we can let's, you know, I think we need to get into exactly why things didn't work for Chip Kelly in Philadelphia, you have some folks, and these are people who are usually um, fans of quirky offenses, if I could use that word, fans of the quirky offenses, pass-happy offenses, hurry-up offenses, uh, innovative offenses that quickly want to tell you that, it well, it wasn't that his system that failed. It was Chip Kelly, the GM, that failed. Well, here's what I saw. The, the, the offense started to fail, and Chip Kelly quickly blamed the players not buying in. And that's what precipitated these uh, roster moves that looked completely crazy to everyone else. So if you weren't really paying attention, you're going to try and boil it all down to he let guys like Deshaun Jackson and Deshaun McCoy get out of Philadelphia. But the breakdown, I thought, happened before that. Well, the breakdown happened last year. But, I mean, if you go – first of all, I don't – I'm not a believer. We've talked about that, and neither are you, uh, in that system. But even if you you believe in the system – he never had the quarterback to run it, and I'm not sure that quarterback necessarily exists in the NFL that would make it through a season because he'd get hit too much. Um, he made some – what I never understood was, I watch his system, LaShawn McCoy is perfectly comfortable running out of that that spread, uh, standing next to a quarterback. He says McCoy's the wrong guy for the system. He goes out and gets running backs, especially Murray, who are definitely not made for that system. No. no way. I mean, which which I never understood. He jettisoned a ton of talent on the outside with Deshaun Jackson and Macklin. 
I mean, he you know he didn't get rid of Macklin, but then again, he didn't resign him either. He 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 instead paid ten million a year to Byron Maxwell. So I think it's a combination of both. I don't think his system was necessarily working, but I also think he proved himself to be a horrible GM. I mean, he got rid of Evan Mathis. I mean, one of the better guards in football for a long time, with with no real replacement. Yeah, I think there was some failure there. I thought players, even when this thing was probably mildly successful to all those watching from the outside, I think there were some players that were putting up some resistance to what it is he was trying to do, probably namely guys on the defensive side of the ball and maybe even some guys on the offensive side of the ball as well. Well, I think we'd have to realize that, yeah, it was guys on offense as well, Deshaun Jackson being did one Did you of get them. a chance, though, to read some of the things they did, in, you know, which, which he believed in through his sports science? They would have practice on Tuesday, which is really a no-no in the NFL. That's players' day off. You know, they get treatment, they watch film on Monday, Tuesday's off, and then Wednesday the game plan gets installed. He would practice Tuesday. He would have full practices, you know, on the day before the game. Because in his theory was exertion before an event is good. Yeah. Uh, listen, he experimented with this NFL franchise. That's all this was. And he's not the first to do it, probably won't be the last. But he came up there and said, let me try these things. I don't know for sure that they'll work. But let me just try it out. I've got someone here that will let me do it. And if it works, great. I am going to look like the biggest genius in the world. And if it doesn't, then, you know, I'm just another guy that was great in college that failed in the NFL. I can just go back down to college now armed with this new information that I have. And, you know, maybe I don't try these things, these certain things in college because they've already proven themselves not to work. I've just refined my, my you know. Well, here's the problem. You hit the nail on the head, though, when you were referring to him months ago with the USC job. <laughs> When he comes into a place and and he leaves a guy like him, he leaves you with wreckage because of the way your roster's constructed. I mean, of course. Every, everybody assumes he's going to go back. If he went back to college, he'd be the same success he was at Oregon. But don't forget, when he was running that offense at Oregon, it was relatively new. There really wasn't a lot of teams that had completely bought into that concept. Now, it's kind of the flavor of the day. So teams are used to seeing it more and more often. Everybody's right. running some variant of the hurry up, or at least probably 80% of the college teams are running some variation of it. So I'm not as sure as most people that he just goes back to college and picks up where he left off. And as for the Eagles, you look at the way that roster is right now, they've got an unmitigated disaster on their hands. They have four running backs. The new coach has to pick out you know, which ones fit what he's going to do because they're all different kinds of backs. I mean, they're not necessarily – you know, if he comes up with a system that fits Murray, I'm not sure Sproles fits. You know what I'm trying to say? Right. Um, they don't have a they don't have a quarterback. I mean, that's a big problem. They have nothing outside because he believe, he didn't believe that that was that big of a deal. You know, his system would fix that. I mean, mm -hmm. it's that's a disaster for the next guy coming in there. Oh, no doubt about it. Uh, it does not leave them in good shape mentally, uh, all roster wise. So he leaves a big mess behind. The Washington Redskins spent how long trying to fix their team and their roster after Steve Spurrier was gone. I mean, you could say they still haven't fixed it, though they are going to be. Well, yeah, I mean, I was just going to say, I mean, you know, good for them. They won the division. I'm not so sure they fixed anything at this point other than they got to play in the second worst division in the NFL. I mean, you know, they're going to go in next year with a big decision. 
you know, we're kind of jumping, but but it kind of ties together. They've got Kirk Cousins as a free agent. Now, are they going to commit big dollars to him long term? Is he their answer? Because if they do that, you know, they're hitching their wagon to this guy, and and they have to they have to do some soul searching in Washington to figure out was this a one off? Did we just happen to catch lightning in a bottle? Romo was hurt. The Eagles and Giants stunk. I mean, or do they really think Kirk Cousins is their guy? You know, if I sit here and look at it, and we are, you know, kind of jumping off of it, but we're talking NFL here anyway. If I look at the Washington Redskins, I think they found their quarterback in Kirk Cousins. Um, you know, for your RG3 fans out there, this is not the place for him to be. Cousins, obviously, is a little bit more comfortable, uh, whether it was designed that way uh, or not. He is more comfortable in this offense than RG3 has ever looked in it. So I think you've got your quarterback. I think you've got a couple of good running backs there that you could use. Maybe not a franchise back. I don't know. We'll see what Matt Jones ends up being as we go through the years. You've got Morris there. So you've got a couple of backs that can get the job done for you. And you're decent outside with uh, Deshaun Jackson. Uh, Not what he used to be, but decent enough. And Pierre Garçon. And, you know, uh, you got a good tight end. And you're getting better on defense. So they've got something to work with. God, it took them forever to get there. And you know what it also took, Amal? It took them getting off of the high-priced free agent winning the offseason type thing for them to get there. So well, right. I mean, they finally they finally caught on to that whole, you know, that, that's not – like I say, if your team's getting talked about in most sports for winning the offseason, it's probably not going to be a good season on the field. Yeah, so I think they're okay going ahead. Are they monsters? I don't know, but I like I like some of the things they have going there. But well, I'm not back- saying that they're not better. Listen, they're in far better shape than they were. So I'm not I'm not making that argument. I'm saying that the quarterback decision, as we know in the NFL, is huge. And if you go out and you have to commit any kind of long-term decent money to to a guy, you have to be kind of sure that you want him there for three or four years because because the quarterback's the one position that can blow up your salary cap. Well, what would you do there? Well, I mean, I, I would keep him. I mean, that would be my decision because I look around the NFL, what's out there. You know, I just don't think, as we talked about on other shows, college football is just not producing quarterback talent the way it was. Part of that could be, you know, the the hurry up and the spread just doesn't translate to the NFL. So, I mean, is Cousins, can you win with Cousins? Yeah. I mean, you know, am I sure, do I think he's a a elite quarterback or will be? Probably not. But, I mean, he's good enough if you put enough pieces around him to win games. Sure. Uh, And I'm with you on that because I don't know where you find quarterbacks right now. If you're RG3, where do you go? Well, I'll tell you where I want him. I want him. In, I want him in Dallas more than I ever want Menzel. I think. I think RG three still has something. He's a young guy. I mean, I, I. I think there's still something that can be salvaged there. I mean, he's 25 years old. Um, he went to a, a franchise that that wanted to run that crazy college offense because they knew that it, out of the gate they could win quick because people weren't catching on to it. But it didn't help his development. I think a perfect place for him would be home in Texas. He'd sit for a couple of years behind a Romo, maybe learn something because he's got, you know, better athletic ability than Romo, but he plays, you know, Romo learned how to harness that. That's what made him a good player is he learned how not, you know, get out of trouble and throw the ball, not get out of trouble and run. So I think maybe he could learn something down there and it'd be a good situation where, you know, he'd be home. I'd be much more comfortable bringing him in there than than Johnny Football. How about – do you think he's better off going to a Dallas where he sits behind a Tony Romo 
or going to a place like St. Louis where he could be put on the field right now? Because let's remember, the guy's been on the shelf for the last two seasons. Yes, but he hasn't been. Here's my problem. He's broken. I think if you put him right back on the field, the chances are in a pro-style offense he's going to fail. He he's doing you know he's got bad habits that he's developed. Um, he, he he never really and you and I talked about that. He never really learned how to read defenses. I mean he was first he was his first read and then he's out of there. That was basically how it went. There was no going through his progressions, moving around in the pocket. It was like you know my first guy isn't there, uh, I'm gone. Yeah, um, and, and we know that. And you know that first season that he came in, uh, you know. He was getting a lot of praise, or uh, you know, who was the, who was who was the uh, offensive coordinator that first season? Was it Shot might have been Kyle Shanahan because Mike Kyle, Shanahan was the coach, right? Kyle Shanahan got a lot of praise for um, having RG three do pretty close to what he was doing in college in his first year in the NFL, and it seemed to work. They were a playoff team. He uh, put up, he had some pretty good games. Uh, for the early part of that season, and I believe they went to the playoffs. Did they or did they not? That first season he was there. Yeah, they lost to Seattle. Okay, that, and that was the game he got hurt in. And what seemed to be a really good thing ended up being a bad thing because you didn't get this guy in the mind frame and get him up to speed on what it was to be a National Football League quarterback. And came back the next year and said, "Well, I think the mindset was, well, I'm in the NFL. I was doing what I did in college. This is this is what I need to do." And it stopped working because you, you you remember it was around that time everyone's wanted to get into some zone read stuff, and yeah. guys started getting laid out, and that was the end of it. You know, you know Kaepernick had some he had some success. Well, I, I think he's another guy that you know he's going to want to get back on the field immediately. But I think Kaepernick's another guy that could be salvaged, no but needs to needs to right. sit for a couple of years. Yeah, has no business starting anywhere right now. Should not should not be the case for him. He's another guy that I wouldn't mind as a backup in Dallas learning for a couple of years. See, I just, I'm trying to do anything I can to keep Johnny football out of there because I just see this guy, I, I kind of, I'm, I'm on the train with you there. He gets home down there. Oh my God. He'll go off. He'll go off the reservation for sure. If he's up there getting loose in Cleveland, he's going to get loose anywhere. I think that pretty much is just how that's going to go. What do you make of the last, situation is is it much to do about nothing like what do they want this guy to do have a curfew be home and uh watch lifetime channel uh after 9 p.m at night or i actually think it's into i I, you're gonna laugh at me here i think what he did recently now i think it's intentional i think he's trying to get bounced from cleveland i do Uh, i would agree with you on that he's not that stupid i mean he understands where he's at with Cleveland, and I think he's at this point just he just doesn't want to be in Cleveland. The only the only star who wants to be in Cleveland is LeBron, and that's because he's from Cleveland. Yeah, so you think the guy realizes I really need to be on a good football team if I'm going to do anything in, in the NFL? I don't want to be Archie Manning uh, sitting here in this franchise, getting myself hurt, and then really not having anything to show for it, uh, meaning wins. You think that's the thought? Well, and I think, you know, I think the under-the-radar play on, on Manziel, too, it, uh, everybody keeps saying Dallas, Dallas, Dallas. I mean, I could see him, don't forget, College Station is very close to Houston. I could see him going to Houston. Bill Bri- Bill O'Brien is, you know, a, a really good quarterback coach. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could see Houston saying, hey, we don't have a quarterback. I mean, do they? Who's their quarterback? Uh, there's been a hodgepodge of guys. Uh, yeah. Brandon 
Whedon, though. Brandon Whedon went over there and got it done. He got it done so well, Emil, that he thought it well enough for him to take a shot at your lovely owner, Jerry Jones. What did you think of that shot he took at him? Well, hey, it's fair enough. I mean, Jones took a shot at him when he was leaving. I mean, you know, the only thing I'll warn uh, Brandon there is that was his first win in about two years. He might want to tap the brakes. They they were beating the Tennessee Titans when he was doing it. (laughs) Well, (laughs) let's not let those I think think as we say say up north, I think he's getting out over his skis a little bit. Yeah, well, I kind of like that one. It might not go over well with the South Florida audience that we have here, but – um, you, if you sit there and think about that one, you can understand what that saying means. But, yeah, you got Brandon Wheaton, do you not? Why not invest in that guy? <laughs> Come on, man. I, I I think O'Brien's just thrilled he could win a division potentially with, with the guys he put out there this year, which kind of tells you he's a decent football coach. I mean, that's a guy that kind of flies under the radar. He went to Penn State when they had about 60 players. He kept them relevant. The fans should thank him. I mean, I think they went eight and four the one year um, with about 60 players. Then he goes down there. Last couple of years, that team's been very competitive with nobody at quarterback. They might win their division this year. I could see them definitely making a play for a guy like like a Manziel because I think Bo Bryant's smart enough to understand what we just said about RG3 and Kaepernick that they're not as game ready at this point. I mean, actually, once in a while, Manziel looks like an NFL quarterback when you watch their games. What do you think of Bill O'Brien as a as a coach? Um, how much can we put on him as to what happened there in Houston, or is this just a part of the process that they needed to go to? They needed to be what they were this year. To now, mind you, they've come on strong here at the end and do have a chance to get into the playoffs. But what do you think of him overall as a coach? Oh, I, I mean, I listen. I like what he's done. I mean, I don't know how you can criticize what the guy's done as, as a coach. They were nine and seven last year. Uh, they, they they barely missed the playoffs. They, I mean, I think Fitzpatrick played quarterback for them last year. Definitely not a star. Um, you know, journeyman who's had a nice career. And this year they've, like you said, hodgepodge is the right word. They've run about four or four guys out there. Well, and, and quarterbacks, pretty much. Yeah, and they're on the verge of going nine and seven again. I mean, it's hard to criticize that. I mean, when he took over, what was the team? Two and fourteen in in twenty thirteen. Sure, something like that. I mean, yeah, they were two and fourteen. They had they had the number. They lost their. That was the year that uh, Schaub, you know, Schaub was coming off a good year. They had lost in the playoffs to the Bengals or somebody like that, and uh, they went right down the. You know, he got hurt and they went right down the toilet. Um. Yeah, I, I, well, it's going to be interesting to see what they do here. They do need that quarterback. I don't know if Whedon's your guy. I know you don't like Whedon, but no one, Emil, not named Tony Romo, looked good at quarterback this year for the Dallas Cowboys. So how much can you put on that guy? Uh, and there were more injuries than just – No, but come on. Whedon, Whedon 6-22 and 22 is an NFL starter. I mean – He played I mean, let's... Cleveland. You going to hold that against that guy? Okay, well, fair enough. He he just beat Tennessee, so let's 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 get a little bit bigger sample size. And he's going to play Jacksonville this week. I'll tell you what: if he wins their first playoff game, assuming they get in, then we can have a, a, a serious discussion. And you're someone who keeps a pretty close track on that kind of stuff. Uh, what what do you what do you give their chance? And who would they likely play? I know you're always usually on. Well, they'd be the four seed, right? They would they would win the South. They would be the four seed. That would put them. 
uh, square play the five seed, and it looks like Kansas City or Denver. If, if Denver wins, they'll win the division. So Kansas City most likely be the five seed. So Kansas City'd roll in there probably with a ten-game winning streak. Yeah, I don't like their. Ch- I don't like their. Ch- <laughs> in something like that. So scratch that. I mean, I mean, when he sees those two, when he sees those two Russians that Kansas City has, uh, he'll be checking down. That's what I call weed, Mister Checkdown. He never saw a running back coming out of the backfield that he didn't like. Yeah, well, I just want him to put up a good fight with the Houston Texans, and I really wanted their defense to be something. As you can remember, I was kind of high on those guys going into the season, and then I don't know what the heck happened, but. Nevertheless, that's that. That's our opening time here. Again, if you want to reach us on the show today, it's 347-633-9365. 347-633-9365. We're going to take a break. When we get back, it's college bowls time here. We will recap the bowls that passed. Not a whole lot of defense to speak of. And then we'll preview the New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, and post-New Year's Day games. We'll do that more when we get back on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. Are you a business owner and you're buried under a mountain of paperwork? You need an MVP on your team. And that MVP is MVP Business Concierge Services. They know that sometimes paperwork can get in between you and your customers. Why not spend the time doing what it is you do best? Getting new customers, handling the ones that you have now, and while you're doing that, you can have an MVP working for you. We know that tax season is the busiest time of the year for business owners. No more missing deadlines and getting IRS penalties for late filing. MVP Business Concierge Services will do all the hard work for you. They will streamline your payroll, streamline your finances, and have you on track. With trustworthy advisors that are very reliable, they will take the hard work away from you and get you back into what it is you're doing best. How do you get this MVP on your team? You call right now, 844-696-8722, 844-MY-MVP-CC, or send an email to info at mymvp.cc and get an MVP on your team today. Are you a property owner or want to be one, but you don't have time for property management? Then get an MVP on your team. Who has time for the letting process, for arranging inventories and organizing pre-tenancy cleaning, dealing with deposit negotiations and negotiating with service suppliers and maintenance? No one's got time for that. MVP does, though. Get this MVP on your team. You can rely on MVP Property Management to offer you an extreme amount of quality and professional services for your money. And because they know that everyone is different, they pride themselves in providing a professionalized service to each and every one of their clients. So how do you get this MVP on your team? It's simple. Pick up the phone and call right now. 844-696-8722. That's 844-MY-MVP-CC. Or send an email to info at mymvp.cc. Get this MVP on your team and start winning today. 
It's college football bowls time, and uh, time for us to talk about the games that passed, the games that are coming up. And well, I don't know. You and you had a chance to really watch that Baylor North Carolina game last night. I caught bits and pieces of it. I was out with the family last night. From what I can gather, Amel, um, was North Carolina playing with the allotted 11 men on defense? I never saw anything like it. I mean, <laughs> I mean, this is a third-string quarterback. Answer that part first, and then we can we, then we can attack this sensibly. Did they use eleven on defense? They used all eleven, from what I could see. I, I mean, I, a few times I counted just to any make sure those, that I. Any of those eleven guys did you happen to notice being in some kind of a wheelchair, or playing on their knees or flat on their back? You know, don't. Don't laugh because there's people out there that would probably have done a better job in that situation. I mean, because for God's sake, Amel, six hundred. What was it? Six hundred and forty. Six hundred and forty-five yards of rushing. Good God Almighty! How does that even happen? But let me set this up for you. This is this is a team that obviously they're not going to throw the ball, Baylor. They have a third-string quarterback. They lost their last two games. 28-21 to TCU, and 23-17 to Texas. Their offense was pedestrian going into this game, without the quarterback, of course. No doubt. Um, they probably could have scored, well, you know, a lot more than 49. I think they just got sick of scoring when they didn't need to score anymore. Uh, they had 750 yards of offense. I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> This is absolutely and, the rushing number. Did you realize that we were talking about putting North Carolina, should they be in the playoff, had they beaten Clemson? And by oh, the way, they took Clemson hey. down to an onside kick at the end of the game. So if if I'm Clemson, I'm very scared tonight going into this game. Uh, I mean, what a major embarrassment uh, that would have been, it seems, had they made their way in there. Which is why I keep saying – you, you have to have eight teams, and you have to have all five champions from the Power Five conference okay, in, did, in, in, in this playoff. Did we playoff. see what the ACC representative did in the, uh, in the playoff last year? Do you remember who the ACC representative was? Wasn't it Florida State or no? And, and, and what, what happened to them in their, in their college playoff? They got annihilated. It, I mean, or, didn't or, Oregon beat them by about 30. I am interested in seeing a good ball game uh, when Oklahoma and Clemson come together, but I'm with you. Off of that last night, I'm I'm not so sure that that's going to happen. But it's not just that; it's the entire conference. They've played five bowl games so far. They're two and three. But here's the defensive points allowed: Miami was the stellar group in the bunch, only allowing twenty in, in the snow. Okay, they Duke allowed forty-one. Pitt allowed forty-four. North Carolina allowed 49, and Virginia Tech allowed 52. Does that sound like a conference? Let's, I'm on the trusty calculator here, and I'm going to tweet this out right after you're done with it. But I just want to get an average here. So call those numbers out for me again. 20, 41, 44, 49, and 52. And that's in uh, five games, is that? Five games. That's 41 points a game. Incredible. There you go. Yeah, well, um, I had a Pitt fan telling me this morning that Navy is 
is really good. I said, well, they're 11 and two. They did get drilled 56-35 by Houston. I mean, they had a great season for Navy, but I said Air Force was pretty good. They were runner-up in the Mountain West, which is proving to be a decent conference, and they played Cal yesterday from the the Pac-12 and lost 55-36. Navy beat Pitt 44-28. Oh wow! Uh, isn't that something? I mean, Navy is a good team. Can we say that, though? No doubt about it. But so, I mean, Air Force was a pretty decent team all year, too. True. Um, and, man, look at look at what we're getting there. So, look, we really need Clemson to play a good ball game here. We need Clemson to show up with some kind of defense. I'm not convinced that that's going to happen. I think we're going we're headed for a shootout between Clemson and Oklahoma. I just want a good ball game, for crying out loud. I don't want to see Clemson Clemsoning. Because I would hate that for Dabo Sweeney, who act, who just really went off earlier this year. When and by the way, since we'll since we'll cover this, and that was one of my uh, bowl picks for the season, North Carolina. So I I took a giant L. I should take two L's for that. Um, well, fortunately for you, you can only get beat once in a game. Uh, even though they got they got beat all the way back to Tobacco Road. With that, I just can't wrap my mind around that number. Six hundred and forty. The other one that was interesting last night was, you know, because the announcers, I was watching some of this game, they were doing everything they could uh, to make a big deal out of Patrick Mahomes, the, the sophomore quarterback from Texas Tech, and he is good. But they were just, you know, going on and on. And I was watching that game, and, you know, <laughs> I mean, LSU, I mean, they, they were running over them, around them, through them. I mean, that, that game ended up, what, 56-27. Another team that likes playing fast, Texas Tech. They like to entertain you. Sure, sure. I, 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 no one should be shocked at uh, Leonard Fournette's performance in that football game. I'm sure we fully expected that. I think if there was any surprises that he didn't reach 300 or 400 yards in the game, but man, he found the end zone five times. And, and Leonard Fournette is the big winner in the bowl season. I'm sure he was licking his chops and uh, doing quite the. The, the dance when he found out Texas Tech was their draw for the bowl game. So, well, Texas Tech was stout again up front, 40 rushes for LSU for only 384 yards. Just so if you people slow at math, that's basically a first down every time you hand the ball off. Yeah, they had some success offensively throwing the ball around for them, but not nearly enough, obviously, when you're looking at the final score in that football game, 56-27. to 27. Um, Air Force that was one of my picks as well. I took a giant win there on LSU. So if I, if I get two losses for Carolina, I should get two wins for that one. Well, yes, there you go. Um, fortunately and unfortunately, it, we're just going to count those games as one. Air Force in California earlier in the day, uh, early on it looked like Air Force was going to have a good amount of success. It was another option attack going up against a team that doesn't ever see it. And we've already seen the success that those option teams have had early on in this college bowl season but california would have none of that they started making some stops but more importantly they kept putting points up on the board and that's really what you got to do against some of these service academies that run the option attack you got to keep putting the ball in the end zone and force them kind of out of that offense which is basically what happened golf uh he was hot early on in the season everyone talking about him being uh you know the the, the what the nfl is looking for he disappeared in the middle of the year and uh, comes back with a big performance in the bowl game. I think he threw six touchdowns. What do you make of him as an NFL prospect? Um, you know, he's obviously got the prototype skill set. I mean, he throws a lot of picks when they play better teams, and that concerns me a little bit. Uh, can that be coached out? I don't know. You have to get one of those those quarterback gurus on your show and ask them. I mean, he can make the throws. Uh, his decision-making is questionable. I mean, 
coming out prospects, I mean, if it were me, I like the kid from Michigan State. I like Goff just because there aren't a lot of pocket passers anymore. We've talked about that. And believe it or not, a kid I think you can steal that can be fixed in this draft is Hackenberg from Penn State. You think he's a steal? Well, I don't think – let's put it this way. Let's let's go rewind your clock to his freshman year when Bill O'Brien was there. Mm-hmm. Had that had he stayed on that trajectory, he was going to be a first-round pick. He regressed in the two years under Franklin, and I mean big time. He's been knocked around like a pinata at Penn State. Their offensive line is horrible. The kid's got a rocket launcher for an arm, and he's, what, 6'4", 6'5"? I mean, you put him in a place that he can sit for a couple of years – and have some of these habits coached out of him by by a real NFL quarterback coach, uh, I, I think you could have something there. Yeah, there's a lot of hoopla with this kid early on. I didn't really ever see it. So he might be a guy uh, who goes in the draft where he shouldn't, and you know how that usually works out. So I'm not. I like your guy at Miami coming out. Who's that? Uh, what's his name? Kenya or Kenya? How do you say his name? He's got another year, though. He's got another year. Pardon me? So he's oh, got he another, another year? Yeah, he's got another year. He's a 2014 guy, so he's got a, he's got another year. Remember, he was a true freshman playing last year, so he's got another oh, year. Oh, I already have him in the NFL draft. What do you know? Well, there you go. He's been solid, though, for the last two years, and I do like him as a quarterback prospect and someone who could play the pro game, and I do like Connor Cook out of Michigan State. But let's not get into a quarterback discussion here. We've no. got some games coming up that we need to talk about and we also need to pick uh real quick going over what i did i had what did i have one pick two picks what i have there yesterday you had one pick you had air force you took a loss so so far you've laid out five of your ten that you're allowed uh and you're at uh you're at two and three for the bowl season putting your uh college record at 28 and 19 i've laid out seven of the ten i'm allowed i had north carolina as a loser lsu as a winner so in the bowl season i'm four and three putting my college record at 27 and 22. So I get to make three picks when we do it today. As we go through the games, you have to make five. Good. I'm saving the best for last. And, again, this is our last show for 2015. We won't be back on the air until Monday. So we are going to pretty much lay out lay out the bowl season for you right now. So we're going to run through these games. Starting with uh, what we have today, it's Memphis and Auburn coming up here in an hour and a half. You know, here's the trend that I've noticed. While you may look at some of the numbers and say to yourself, look, Memphis is probably a good, on paper, a good underdog pick in this game. What I've noticed is when you have these smaller conferences going up against these bigger conferences, what's on paper doesn't necessarily tell the story. So, you know, like, for instance, we had California and Air Force. On paper probably should have been a cover for for Air Force. California, um, you know, splits them sideways, so to speak. And then We had some other ones, Virginia Tech and Tulsa. While they did cover, Virginia Tech just went up and down the field on this team. Washington and Southern Miss on paper looks like uh, a game Southern Miss could cover a big number, and and Washington ends up, you know, covering the number. So, you know, things are a little distorted when you have that. And, you know, it's not been a great year for Auburn. It was a great year for Memphis. And when I look at this, this is not an official pick. The numbers say Memphis. But I think I'm going to back Auburn in this one. Auburn has had enough time to come to grips with who they are this season, so there's not a really huge, huge letdown for them to be in the Birmingham Bowl. I think they've got something to prove. I think they need some momentum going into next year, and I think 
uh, along the line of scrimmage is where Auburn's going to win this thing. And, you know, I would lean towards them covering in this contest. I'm with you on that. I can't make it an official pick just because I'm, I'm not I'm not wasting a pick on a 6-16. Six and 16. But when I look at the meat of the Memphis schedule for, the, you know, the season, yes, they had that impressive road win at Mississippi. How they did that, I have no idea. But when they got into the meat of their conference, Navy beat them by 25, Houston beat them in a squeaker, and then Temple beat them by 19. So that just tells me, you know, other than that, you know, maybe outlier against Mississippi. When they got in there against their better teams, uh, they weren't up to it. And I, I think they're not going to be used to what they see athletically from Auburn. And that could take some time to adjust. And by the time they adjust, they could be down big in this. So, uh, yeah, I'd be on Auburn in that game. Yeah. Moving on to the next one, NC State and Mississippi State. I'm kind of looking forward to this contest. I think we're headed for some fireworks. Two teams, I don't know what's at stake really here for them. you got two good quarterbacks in this game, Dak Prescott, Jacoby Brissett, two guys that could make plays through the air and on the ground. That tells me uh, we're going to see some points in this contest. We're going to see some excitement. Mississippi State may be a little long right here with uh, as a six-point favorite. I'm not making a solid pick on this one. And to be a lean, and I might lean a little bit to NC State because I just don't think they'll ever really be out of this game. I think with oh, here, here's what I I have a pick on this one. I, I really like Mississippi State in this game. I, I think this is a you know, when I look at what Mississippi State did going through the SEC schedule, and then I sit down and I really take apart North Carolina State's record at seven and five. Four of those wins came in September against Troy, Eastern Kentucky, Old mm-hmm. Dominion, and South Alabama. Mm-hmm. So what I'm really looking at is a team that's under 500 in their conference. Um, to me. This is just, you know, this is just a game where I, just, uh, I think the athletic ability and the roster of Mississippi State takes over. Uh, there's no letdown in this year's bowl game for Mississippi State. They were pretty much resigned to the, you know, they weren't winning the SEC. They're eight and four. They could finish up, have a nice nine-win season. Uh, they have the better quarterback, I think. So I, I like Mississippi State minus six. That's an official pick for me. Okay, um, my only concerns, you know, here's some other concerns for me. Mississippi State was in a bigger and better bowl game last year. Uh, I don't know how fired up they would be to be in something like this. But, again, obviously I had enough trepidation, uh, Google that, for, for me not to make this an official pick. So, you know, you feel stronger about it, so we'll roll with that. I just think we're going to see some excitement, too, and, you know, probably going to score more than 60 and a half points to combine in this game. The next game for me, I have an official pick on, so you can go ahead with your opinion, and then I'll tell you what I'm thinking on Louisville versus Texas A&M. My opinion is that I have no clue how either team's going to play in this game, especially with the situation at quarterback, uh, but what I do like in this game is not a lot of points. Um, I, I just think, you know, without having any real solid you know, quarterback option at A&M, that they may be more conservative offensively, and Louisville hasn't exactly been an offensive juggernaut for the season anyway. So for me, I would just think you'd have a low-scoring game here. No idea. I can't even venture a guess at who you're going to go with. Um, well, I'll tell you who I'm going to go with. I'm actually going to back Texas A&M in this contest. All the talk has been about the two quarterbacks transferring. What they're going to do today is have Jake Hubenak in there at quarterback for Texas A&M. Not a whole lot out there on Hubenak, who I think attempted some 20-something passes this season. And we've seen this both at the college and the NFL level. When you get a quarterback in there that has not been you know, on film a lot, it becomes a problem for the opposing defense. And I think because of that, uh, Texas A&M may have some offensive success today, too. And you know what? 
I wouldn't mind seeing Texas A&M dig in the bag and do a little bit of what we saw Baylor doing last night because they were missing their quarterback. So I wouldn't put it past uh, Texas A&M to put something like that in the game plan. They do have an outstanding uh, freshman in, in Christian Kirk, who I wouldn't be surprised if he's standing back there taking snaps and running around with the ball in much the same fashion that Baylor did last night. And that would present a big problem for Louisville. And Louisville is from that conference we spoke about today, are they not? Are they not from that ACC? They, they are. That, yeah, they are. Yes, yeah. I know. So not, they're not as bad defensively as, uh, you know, some of the teams that we've seen in the ACC, but not that great either. You're talking about their last three games. They gave up 24 to Kentucky, 45 and a loss to Pittsburgh, 45 to Pittsburgh, and 31 to Virginia. Now, Virginia and Pittsburgh, when you call out those two names, those aren't the offensive juggernauts of college football. And between those two games, they gave up some 76 points. So I'm not feeling good about Louisville here. And I think Texas A&M is going to attack them in a way that Louisville is not really prepared for. And I have the luxury of getting Texas A&M from the SEC getting points against an ACC foe. I'll take that all day. So that's an official pick. Three and a half points. So you make Texas A&M an official pick today. Very nice. Okay. And then uh, Move, we have moving right along as my Trojans are the 10:30 game. By the way, speaking of of games, if you're not going to a major bowl game, I mean, when I mean one that's paying you five, fifteen million dollars. If you're getting a um, a secondary game, the Holiday Bowl is your best bet. And that is why. Well, because it's in San Diego. I mean, you get a you just get a nice venue. I mean, if you're if you're a team going someplace and you know they're not sending you to whatever the Fiesta or the Rose or the Sugar Bowl. Hell, you might as well go to San Diego. What a nice place to play a game. You will never get me to say anything bad about San Diego. Lovely town, lovely place, and I would agree with you on that. But also, I do have to tell you this from personal experience. Um, New Orleans is really a great bowl venue. Um, Maybe if you're going there with the wrong kind of mindset, not really great for you team-wise. I know that firsthand, but uh, New Orleans is really also a great place to go have. Did you guys play a game in, in New Orleans when you were there? We did, and we enjoyed the festivities a little bit too much. Uh, obviously, not as much as our opponent, Alabama, who closed the door on the Superdome on us that night. You know a guy named Derek Lassick, don't you? Oh, you would bring that up now, wouldn't you? Um, you love Well, that. you said the Texas-UFC game was the best game you ever saw. You, you rubbed salt in that wound for me. <laughs> yeah, we, I saw more of Derek Lassick than I uh, ever saw. I saw more of him that night than I think I ever saw of him. I saw more of him than I wanted to see when he ended up going to the Cowboys, so we're, we're even. Um, <laughs> I think that night his NFL career, so there you go. That's true. Okay, so uh, I don't have a pick on this game. I think it could be one of the better games. you got two uh, you know, perennially good programs here from the Big Ten and the Pac-12. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to make a pick on my team here. I'm just going to sit back and watch it. So I really have no I, – I don't know which way to really go on this. So usually when that happens, I'll lean towards the underdog, but I don't really have a great reason for doing it. I think if USC comes out and plays the way that they want to and need to play – and can, you know, get, you know, Kessler is either all or none. You know, he's a guy that comes out and will throw six touchdowns and zero interceptions or he'll go out there and just look like crap. If he comes out on fire, then I think Wisconsin's in big trouble in this game. But if he's not bringing his A game, then Wisconsin could very well win this. I think they will have success running the ball. 
based on what I've seen out of USC towards the end of the year, specifically that Stanford game, they didn't do too well against that power running game, so that could be an issue for them. I think it all this game all comes down to that. How well does USC? Well, here's the issue I have. For if you're, you know, without making a pick, I think USC has huge advantages in terms of the roster. They have better players, as you said. Uh, what Kessler does will probably determine this game. But Wisconsin's running game is only averaging 148 yards a game this year. They've had a down year at Wisconsin, and it's showing up mainly in some of their off- offensive output for the season. Um, you know, they had some games against better teams. We do need they played to, Hawaii, and they only scored 28 points. They lost 10-6 to Iowa. Corey Clement, Corey Clement, their number one running back, has been injured. Um, yes. So that that plays a part in it. They do expect him to play today, so that can help them tremendously, but we'll just have to wait and see on that. Yeah, I don't have a pick. So let's move on uh, to tomorrow, uh, the big the big day, as we as they say uh, in college football, where, you know, the, the main course the semifinal games of course there's a noon game before that florida state's giving seven to houston um almost made this a pick but i, I mean I, i'm going to go first because you might have made her a pick i would i would be on florida state in this game i think this is another case of uh uh team you know they've, they've got a they've got a coach uh is he staying at houston or is he out no, he's staying. He he re-upped. He, he was smart. Yeah, he's staying. There's been a lot of you know talk about him going though. I felt like you know that's a little bit of a distraction. I also think that when you step up in class athletically, kind of what you were saying before, this mm-hmm. could be one of those games where Houston tries to run that offense and they're just not used to seeing the speed and athleticism that Florida State has on defense. But again, I didn't feel confident enough to make it a pick because Houston's a 12 and one football team. So I don't know what's your thoughts on the game. Um, I'm along those same lines. On paper, should be a, a cover for Houston, who's getting a full touchdown in this game. But if you've learned anything in this bowl season thus far, is that Power 5 Conference versus non-Power 5 Conference, things don't always appear as they seem. So while I think Houston might come out with some concepts that will give Florida State some trouble early on, and maybe they'll have some offensive success, I think sooner or later, Florida State's going to catch up with it and be able to shut some things down. And I just don't see Houston stopping Dalvin Cook from running up and down. He may do um, some Leonard Fournette type stuff there, and that's eventually going to wear Houston down both physically and mentally in this contest. So Florida State, while they are from the ACC, they are that team in this conference that can play some defense, and that's going to spell a problem for Houston as this game wears on. So a nice little battle early on, some shots being fired. Um, but I think Florida State has the bulletproof vest that they'll pull out late and uh, be able to run away in this game and probably cover this number. Not an official. Yeah, game. I don't think you can lump them in rightfully with those cats from the ACC. They're a different animal altogether. I mean, Florida State's roster is constructed more like an SEC team. Like we've talked about that going, you know, Ohio State is like that. Uh, you know, typically USC is. I mean, there's teams in other conferences that usually have more SEC type players. And Florida State's definitely one of them, so I don't lump them in with that ACC stuff. Yeah, big adjustment for Houston here with the kind of athletes they're going to be going up against, especially on defense. So don't like it for them there. All right, let's talk uh, college football playoff games, the first up being Michigan State and Alabama. What do you know, Emil? I'm going to go big Well, time. do you want to go in order of time, or are you going to use the rotation? Because the first gonna, game at 4 o'clock is the Clemson-Oklahoma. I'm going to use the rotation. Okay, you're going to use the rotation on the – Alabama Michigan State game. I being the big game hunter, I I am have a pick on this. So I don't know, do you? Well, you're still up cuz I got a pick on it too. So ride with what you got. I think we're probably Okay, well, you know, the number shot up to 10 here and obviously, you know, 
you have to like what Alabama did um, mm-hmm. throughout the season. Uh, they took that early loss to Mississippi, and everybody said the sky's falling, Alabama's dead. You know, they they threw them out for dead, and sure enough, they're back in in where they've been for quite a while since Nick Saban has been there and relevant to the national championship conversation every year, pretty much. Um, but I think this is a huge task they're being asked to undertake here to, to win this game by double digits. Mm-hmm. Uh, if there was one team I felt going into this whole playoff that could play like Alabama likes to play is Michigan State. Michigan State likes to, you know, they like to play a dirty, in the, you know, in the mud, drag it out, fight it out type of type of game. And it's a winning program. Uh, D'Antona is, is an underrated coach. I put him right up there with the Sabins and Myers. Maybe not quite there, but he's excellent. Um, they have an NFL caliber quarterback. I think they hang around in this game. I don't like Alabama's quarterback, which I think makes it even more difficult because, you know, a lot's going to fall on Henry. I'm looking for this game to come down to the wire. I'm going to call it 23-20 Alabama. I think it's going to be closer to old school football here. Not not a ton of points, close to the vest, and I'll take the 10 in Michigan State. Uh, I'm going that same way with you there. Uh, obviously, I've had a chance to watch Alabama up close and personal, saw them in person, obviously watched several of their games on television this year. And Michigan State can play the kind of game that Florida played defensively. They can come close to that. And I think over on the offensive side, they're going to be able to move the football. They're going to be able to get some first downs. They're going to be able to find the end zone. You'll be able to get in field goal range and put points up. You know, Florida's offense was a disaster in that SEC championship game. Michigan State's offense will not. They've got several wide receivers there that can make. Here's what I noticed about Michigan State wide receivers that's going to help them here, that they can make tough catches when they're being covered. And that's likely to be the scenario on several, uh, several times in this contest that, yeah, there'll be tight coverage by Alabama because that's just what they are, but they can make the catches anyway. And I think that's going to help Michigan State in this game. I think they'll be able to get the first downs, like I said, move the chains, hold on to the ball, limit some of the carries uh, for for Derrick Henry. And I think defensively they can do a good job against Derrick Henry. They can stack that line of scrimmage. They can cover those guys on the outside. And I think they can keep this to a very close game. I really think, Amol, as I sit here and think right now, I think the winner of this game is the one that's going to win the national championship and uh, uh, I do as well. So who do you like to win it? I mean, we know you like the ten. We we got that out of the way. Who do you who do you give me a score? I would not be especially surprised if Michigan State won this game. But I just there's something though about Alabama that says to me a little bit of team of destiny, a team who has really set their mind on being all for one, a common goal, and they're going to find a way to win this game. But it won't be by 10-plus points. So I like Michigan State. I think Alabama wins it in a close one, and uh, everyone feels like they got their money's worth out of a college football playoff game. Yeah, so, so you're, you're on the same page as me. I see, I see. you know, usually, you know, I see a little skinny guy winning this game for Alabama. So, um. <laughs> Yeah, with a single bar uh, kicker, with opposite yes. color yes. boot. Yeah, sure. And then okay. the next the next game for some I'm really happy about this by the way. I had some I have some stuff going on early. Uh I'm I'm out of the stage of wanting to go out on, on New Year's Eve late, so I have some stuff going on early and then I'm I'm doing some babysitting for one of our kids uh later. So I was I was I was when I saw the rotation, I didn't look at the times and I was thinking the Michigan State game was the early game. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to miss part of that. Now I'm happy as I'm looking at the screen here. I see this next game is the game that I'm going to miss part of, and I'm okay with that, by the way. 
probably a game where, you know, you'll catch the highlights and you'll know exactly what happened in this contest. Um, I think this, I think the line in this game is accurately set. Having said that, I'm like you. I'm not encouraged at all by what I've seen defensively from the ACC teams thus far, with North Carolina being especially frightening. I don't think that's a true representation of North Carolina last night. There may have been some kind of distraction or something going on there. But um, it's still an indication of what goes on defensively here. And for an Oklahoma team that you know is going to bring offense, they come from that conference where if they know how to do one thing in that conference, it's offense. And if Clemson is going to be like anything like what North Carolina was, then they're in for, for really big trouble. I just think Oklahoma has a really good balance offensively and their balance between the two units, offense and defense. I just think they're the better football team here. And I'm going to go with them in this contest and kind of lean in their direction, but it's not an official. Is that an official pick for you? No, it is not. Okay, I, I ha- I'm making them an official pick. I liked Oklahoma before I saw um, what happened to the ACC. I mean, I looked at this line and I said, well, wait a second. Stop kidding us. Pardon? You've liked Oklahoma all your life. Stop Stop kidding me. Well, people. no, but I'm saying I when I saw this line come out, I said, Vegas is telling you something. Now, the number one team in the country, supposedly, Clemson, is a four-point or three- to four-point underdog. Now it's four in a game against Oklahoma. Um, that's before I saw what happened to the ACC. Then as I scroll through the Clemson schedule, you know, I mean, really, w- when you go back, they started – this is one of the problems with preseason rankings. They started high because they had a good season last year. I think they were 11-2 and two last season. And then they rolled through Wolford, Appalachian State, Louisville. Finally, they got Notre Dame in a hurricane and held on for dear life to win by two. Then they beat Georgia Tech, Boston College, Miami, NC State. Then they beat Florida State by 10, and then there was no more good wins until they saw that North Carolina team and beat them 45-37. I just think Oklahoma's been in there with far better competition. Um, These two teams played in a bowl game last year. Clemson beat them 40-6. Don't think that that Oklahoma does not remember that, and the quarterback was not playing. That's the big change here. You know, you look at Oklahoma; they got a guy that can throw it. They got two running backs that can hurt you. I I, I think they're going to roll in this game. I really do. So you you think this is going to end up being a blowout? Is what you're saying? Uh, two touchdowns. Yeah, I, I I don't. I'm I'm not looking for a nail biter here. That'd be an extreme disappointment for Clemson, let me tell you that, because uh, their fans are all in, the team seems to be all in, that be would be major disappointment for them. But uh, I can't disagree with you. It could very well turn into that. I just like Oklahoma in this game. Um, a little spooky. Do you by- see, I mean, here's what I see. I don't see Clemson. I know, they're de- I know all the defensive statistics, so if anybody's tweeting you or calling, I understand what people say their defense is, but... I also know who who they've played against, and they've been athletically better than every team they've played this year except Notre Dame and Florida State, okay? And those games were tight. I don't really see them Did stopping Did you see Oklahoma. the Florida State game? Did you see Dalvin Cook, like, have a field day in that contest? Oh, uh, listen, if Florida State had a quarterback, and it, this is a big if, if Florida State had a quarterback, they beat Clemson. Sure. Agree with you on that, and that's scary to see that. You're calling yourself the number one team in the country, and you're going up against the Oklahoma team that you know that can run the ball. Um, in a big game like that, that's not what I wanted to see. I and if Brian Kelly didn't do his best Tom Coughlin, they might still be playing that Notre Dame game. I mean, that was, if you remember, total mismanagement of the two-point conversions. He went for one way early in that game. The score was 
uh, 24-9 or whatever, he went and missed it, uh, one of them early, and then it forced him to go for one at the end. They would have been just kicking the extra point at the end of the game, 24-all, they go overtime. Uh, you know, he he went for one of those two-pointers when the score was at 11 when he should have just kicked the extra point. Sure. So. Uh, yeah, you're, yeah. you're right on all that. Let's skip over now to the New Year's Day games and starting off with Tennessee and Northwestern. I have a pick on this game. Um, what, are you, what are your thoughts? I'm out of pick, so I'm just going to give you my leans. I mean, my three picks remaining for the bowl season to recap are Mississippi State minus six, Michigan State plus 10, and Oklahoma minus four. You can recap when you're all done because you've got to lay three more out here. Um, in this game, this is one of those where, you know what, I'm going to lean toward the athleticism. It's going to be tempting to grab a 9-3 and three Northwestern team or 10-2 and two Northwestern team plus 8.5 points, but the fact that they're a 10-2 and two team and getting 8.5 points kind of tells me a little bit, it guides me in a direction here. I mean, I know every team could say woulda, coulda, shoulda, but if you look at Tennessee season, they went overtime at home, lost to, to Oklahoma, who we just talked about as playing for the national championship. Uh, they lost that heartbreaker to your son's team by one against Florida, where Florida scored two touchdowns in the fourth quarter to beat them. They lost a four-point game to Arkansas, and they had Alabama down in the fourth quarter before losing by five points. This is a very good team, probably the favorite in the SEC East next next season. Um, I, I think they're going to blow out Northwestern. Yeah, um, I disagree with you. I think Northwestern. Okay. Yeah, I think Northwestern's been a team that's been disrespected all year long. You don't know the names of the guys on this team. They don't have anyone. They don't have any Heisman Trophy candidates. They don't have anyone close to being a Heisman Trophy candidate. And though they were doing well at certain points in the season, uh, folks still found ways to uh, make them underdogs. Case in point, they go to Wisconsin. They're a double-digit underdog in that contest. They cover that one. They go to play Penn State. They're at home against Penn State. Um, they're they're made an underdog in that game. They they come out with the win in that contest. Um, they're playing at Duke. They're an underdog in that contest. They win that game, you know. So, you know, the only time I think they really, really failed to show up was when they went to Michigan, 10.5-point underdogs, and they got blown out. Maybe they ate the wrong thing for breakfast in that game. But I've seen them. I've watched them throughout this season, and people have just wanted to continue to make this team an underdog, and they've kind of relished that role. And here's a chance for them once again uh, to be in that role, and it's in a bowl game, and they've had a tremendous amount of time to get themselves all lathered up for this. So I think Northwestern, who can play some pretty good defense, comes out in here and frustrates Tennessee offensively. Tennessee really not used and accustomed to being in this role where there's expect, a whole lot of expectation for them here. Um, they closed out the season against Vanderbilt, Missouri, and North Texas. And in South Carolina before that, they have not been tested in uh, quite some time, and I think that's going to hurt them in this contest. So I'm going to roll with Northwestern getting the eight and a half points as uh, I think I think they're going to ride that underdog train. That's very again, good. Once again, obviously I've got no feeling on the next Now, game. I know you have no pick on the Michigan-Florida game because of your, you'll be at the game watching your son. Um, I will give you my lean in this game is I just – obviously we've seen both teams play. I think points are going to be at a premium. And anytime points are at a premium, I'm taking points. Sure. Um, yeah. I, 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 
everything about this says it'll be a 10 to six football game. So you know what that means. That means that we're looking at a final score of 35, 31 or something like that. I think given the amount of time to prepare for this contest, um, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw some strange things out of Florida on the offensive side of the ball, some things that they, you know, want to put together there that um, no one's really seen. Um, you've had three, four weeks to really work with Trayon Harris and really find out exactly what it is he can do best. Um, so I would say perhaps the uh, Florida coaching staff and Jim McElwain could do something there and uh, get something more going than what we've seen in the final three weeks of the season for them. So maybe there'll be more points than people think in this contest. Who knows? But, again, I've got no pick on it. Notre Dame and Ohio State is the next one up on the docket, and it is the uh, Battle Frog Fiesta Bowl. What are we doing with these? Where are we finding these sponsors? Battle Frog? Uh, I don't know, but I tell you what, they did a good job at least pairing these two teams uh, because I think the matchup will keep, uh, especially will keep Ohio State interested. Uh, You know, my concern, you know, if I'm an Ohio State coach is, you know, my, sending my team to a bowl game they're not interested in because they wanted to be playing the day before. But I think because it's Notre Dame in the in the, in the Fiesta Bowl, Ohio State will be interested. This isn't an obviously I'm out of official picks, but I will say in this game, uh, I would take the six points in Notre Dame though. I, I, I think I think the line's a little bloated here, and they're disrespecting Notre Dame. Yeah, I I think I'm leaning with Ohio State. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm going to lean towards Ohio State. I just think the athletes that they're going to see here, um, if they come, and this is a big if, if they come motivated, I think it might end up being a little bit too much for Notre Dame for some reason. And, you know, and there's another thing with the line here 10 and 2, 11 and 1. Why is Ohio State a six point favorite in this contest? That troubles me a little bit, too. So, um, and when you look at Notre Dame's schedule, there's not a whole lot on there that would say, man, why would, should these guys be six-point underdogs? So I'm going to just go on the whole premise of Vegas knows something I don't. And not a whole lot to say on that. I'm not going to go Well, on. you might be going with, uh, you know, your typical Notre Dame breakfast. You know, they, you know what they say about Notre Dame. Put them in a bowl for three hours and beat them. Notre Dame scrambled eggs. Yeah, well, there you go. If you, where, <laughs> I guess we'll throw that one out there, too. Why not? But I'm going to back Ohio State slightly in this one. Okay, you're on Ohio State. Yeah, I have an official pick on the Rose Bowl. You're out of pick, so obviously give me give me your, your thoughts on Iowa versus Stanford. Well, this is another game where I think a lot of people, you know, I think Iowa's been overachieving all year, and, you know, they did a great job taking Michigan State down to the wire. Uh, Michigan mm-hmm. State had that, you know, what was it, the 20-play drive to win the Big Ten championship. Right. Uh, but – they just Iowa Iowa hasn't been in games of this magnitude for a long time. I mean, bowl games, Rose Bowl, and Stanford's been making a pretty regular occurrence of it the last six or seven years in the uh, during the Harbaugh Shaw regime. And I, I just think that the experience coupled with uh, I, I think the Pac-12 was a deeper conference this year. Um, I think Stanford was tested more. I, I would actually lean towards Stanford in this game. Yeah, I'm taking Iowa in this game, and I was very impressed with Iowa when I had a chance to really sit down and watch them. Iowa plays football the way football should be played. They don't make mistakes. They don't beat themselves. They block. They tackle. All of the basics of this game they do well, which I think will keep them in a game against a Stanford. Now, were they going up against an Oklahoma or an Ohio State or, you know, one of these teams with a bunch of athletes where, you know, the your your lack of – 
athleticism is going to become a problem because big plays are going to happen and it's going to take you out of your comfort zone, I may have been willing to roll with the other team against Iowa. But Stanford is Iowa. Iowa is Stanford. This is a battle of two like teams. Yeah, you're saying you like this. You think it's a good match. It's like a boxing match. You think the style fits Iowa well. And that does make sense. I mean, to be honest, the only kid that presents an athletic problem for you when you're playing Stanford yeah. is McCaffrey. Yeah. Um, I made a joke to you after the Pac-12 title game. He single-handedly beat my team. I mean, really. And that wasn't a joke. Had, reality. No, reality. He single-handed. I mean, you, that kid, you take him away, they lose that game because they're just there's not a lot of athleticism on Stanford. They're big, they're physical, and, and he's their athlete. And that's I pretty much it. I thought he throw himself a pass for a touchdown in that game. Did he do that? Because that would be the only thing he did, wouldn't have done in that context. No, my brother and I used to do that when we were kids, though. You, you, we would be throw out there in the yard, and you, you throw a pass to yourself. Yeah, uh, I mean, McCaffrey right, very throw well. throw the ball up in the air, and you go catch it. Yeah. That's, I, I'm surprised he didn't do that. He didn't throw a pass to himself. That's the only thing he didn't do. Yeah, I think these two teams are mirror images of themselves. I would have been off of this game if Stanford was a three-point favorite. But when you double that and make it six, I like Iowa. I think this is a nip-and-tuck game all the way through. I think Iowa is going to be a team really motivated in this contest. Um, Stanford, yeah, it's the Rose Bowl. You love being in the Rose Bowl. But I, I think what they wanted to do, they accomplished in those last two games of the season. You beat Notre Dame, you beat USC. So it's kind of like... Where do you go from here? I guess we got to go play these games from this, this team from Iowa. We don't even know anyone on this contest. So I think Iowa's got something to prove in this contest. They don't know when they'll be this good again. So I think they're going to go balls to the wall. And I like them as a six-point underdog in this contest. The next one that we have up on New Year's Day and the final one. Is Are you make, you're making them an official pick? Official pick right there on Iowa, plus six against Stanford. The next one is uh, – Mississippi State versus Oklahoma State in the All-State Sugar Bowl in that well, very good venue that I told you about down there in New Orleans. Uh, this is kind of a tough one for me. I, I want to lean towards Oklahoma State in this contest. But I'm just so spooked by Big 12 teams and, and themselves defensively. And I know what Mississippi can do when they get hot and get to throwing the ball around. And, and if they get like that, they'll walk up and down the field against Oklahoma State. Having said that, Oklahoma State's one of the few teams in the Big 12 that will jump up and play some defense to you. So I'm kind of all over the place. I think at the end of the day, I'm going to kind of land on the side of Oklahoma State and say that this thing's going to be a shootout. And if it is, um, even if Oklahoma State's not driving at the end of the game to tie it up, they're driving at the end of the game to make it respectable and can kind of maybe come in under this number. Um, good that we're getting a hook. So I'd lean on Oklahoma Damn, did, damn did we confuse the audience. Uh, because you and I, this, I almost made this a pick only when I ran out of picks. So I didn't, I didn't want to drop any of the other ones, so I said, okay, I'll throw this one out. I really, I like Mississippi in this game, and I'll tell you why. They, they, last year, you know, went to a bowl game and they just got steamrolled. For people who forget, TCU just ran over around and threw them forty-two to three. Mm-hmm. Um, they could have quit on their season when they had some disappointment in the middle of it this year after upsetting Alabama. But instead, you know, after losing a, an overtime game, 53-52 to Arkansas, a game where they basically allowed a fourth and 25 conversion that in the end kept them out of the the the, the uh, SEC title game. Believe it or not, had they won that game, they would have won the SEC West on a tiebreaker with Alabama. Um, they closed strong. They beat number 15 LSU at the time by 21. Then they beat their in-state rival, Mississippi State, by 11. Here comes Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's season went in the exact opposite direction. They were 10-0, and seeing themselves playing in that college football playoff. 
Then they get beat by 10 by Baylor and absolutely steamrolled in their in their season finale against the arch rival Oklahoma by 35. I don't think that they are going to be ready for what Mississippi's going to bring to this table in this game. And like I said, this almost made my pick list. I really like Mississippi in this game. All right. Um, and we'll see. Like I said, I could see that going that way. Because if Ole Miss gets it rolling, gets hot, and those group of receivers get loose, then, you know, they're up and down the field against Oklahoma State. So um, can't can't really say much bad against that pick that you have there. And finally, we got to head over to January the 2nd. Uh, since when did we start piling up games on the 2nd of January? Complete over that I do not that my friend I do not know why we were playing games after the semifinal and after the New Year's Day games I'm confused so I think uh, some uh, bean counter um, says you can probably maximize your TV revenue and viewership if you if you if you did something like this and didn't try and slam all these games into New Year's Day so that's probably while we're at that uh, on this first game I do have an official pick Penn State and Georgia I think this might have been. One of your official picks, if you had any left. But I'll be interested in hearing what you got to say, and then I'll give you my pick. Well, I I don't have a strong opinion on this game, believe it or not. Um, my only thought is, you know, while Georgia finished nine and three, which which on paper looks pretty good, they closed up with wins against Auburn or Kentucky, Auburn, Georgia Southern, and Georgia Tech, and the Georgia Southern and Georgia Tech games were real struggles. Now, I think the time off will help them a little bit, get right in the head. Their offense has been has been kind of pedestrian. Uh, Penn State is a pedestrian offense. Uh, so, again, points are at a premium here. Penn State plays some defense. I would probably lean, and I mean, oh, it's a lean. I don't love it. I would probably take the six and a half from Penn State. Yeah, that's exactly the way that I'm going to go with it. I'm going to take Penn State. Getting the six and a half in this contest, I think that's the way to go with this one. So much going on for Georgia. Um, obviously, you've got a coaching change, and you've lost not a guy that was there three or four years. You've lost a guy that's been there for well, how long was Rick there? 15, 16, 17 15, years? 16 years. I think 1999 he might have been there since. Yeah. Um, I think not just the players, but several people in the organization have to be affected by that. Uh, the players have to be thinking about where am I fitting in with the new coach coming in, Kirby Smart. So there's a lot for Georgia to have their mind on outside of Penn State in this contest. And uh, on top of that, I'm with you. Yeah, Georgia Tech, Georgia Southern, Auburn, they finished off the year with those three wins and a win against Kentucky, but they were struggles. This is, you know, they didn't play the way that you would expect Georgia to play, which um, would have played, probably played a hand in Rick being out of there. So um, it was a struggle for them. And it's just been that much of the year. They don't have anything going on at the quarterback spot. Very difficult for them to move the ball through the air. Everything's on the back of Sony Michelle. They're running back. It's going to be hard for them to move the ball against a Penn State team that plays good defense. I think part of the reason that you have such a big line is that Penn State finished off the year with three straight losses. However, that came against three teams playing in New Year's Day bowl games or later. Uh, Northwestern, who's playing in a New Year's Day bowl game, uh, is a very good football team. They played Michigan, who's in a New Year's Day bowl game. And you got Michigan State, who's not in a New Year's Day bowl game. They're in the actual college football playoffs. So I think closing out with three losses gave the odds makers uh, an opportunity to throw some extra cheese on this thing. Um, I'm going to take that cheese. I'm going to take Penn State and say that this will be one of those close nip-and-tuck games, which smells of a guy with an opposite-colored boot deciding it. Which what, gives me 
Penn what State. do you make of them? What do you make of them even scheduling this next game? I mean, I I am so disinterested. I don't know, I to note that this is an official pick. I just want to make sure we get that clip. Penn State. An Penn State pick. is well. We're going to care. Let me recap. Chad made five official picks on today's show. Uh, Texas A&M plus three and a half. Michigan State in the national semifinal plus ten. Northwestern plus eight and a half. Iowa plus six, and Penn State plus six and a half. Wow. Yeah, I got a lot of points there. I kind of evenly distributed this over the days, too. So um, I got a pick on every day going. Yeah, we only have so much oxygen. So unless you have a lot to say about Arkansas and Kansas State, I don't. Um, I'm going to take Kansas State because Bill Schneider, always the underrated guy. I'm going to lean on him here. Arkansas, heavy run team. Um, I don't like laying a bunch of points with a team like that. And so between that, them being a heavy run offense, and Kansas State constantly being disrespected. Going to lean on Kansas State. Don't have a whole much more to say. The, the, the next game, the next game, you know, I don't know. Uh, it's one of those games where I know Dotson, TCU's big receiver is out. It's a it's a good football game on paper, TCU and Oregon. Um, Oregon, after watching their performance against Stanford and USC, with Marshall, so equally as big on their side. Of course, and you know you. But when you watch Oregon, what they did against Stanford and USC. You think, wow, you know, this team really, really found themselves. But then yet they go out and in the last game of the season allow 42 points to an Oregon State team that I think got shut out two or three times during the season. So I don't know what to make of this game. Would you say, Emil, that this game would really show uh, Big 12 versus Pac-12? Well, I mean, they play, so obviously it factors into the equation. I don't know. I mean, you know, it's hard to say. I mean, I think you got to look at the totality of the when they're all said and done, the bowl games. But, I mean, sure, I mean, you want to see two two programs like this play each other. I think this is a great line by the odds makers. Um, I think it's another close game. Uh, with the game being, you know, with all things being even, the game's in the Alamo Bowl right there, Texas, going to lean to TCU in this one. Just as simple as that. Both of these teams are very capable offensively. Both have their challenges defensively. I think uh, a, a partisan crowd in favor of TCU here. Well, I think TCU's got a coaching advantage in this game. I think Patterson's a far better coach than the Oregon coach. I mean, again, I don't want to make too much of a rivalry game. Had they beaten Oregon State 31-24, I would be less concerned. But the fact that they gave up 42 points to Oregon State, that always concerns me because, um, you know, TCU can, can hurt you. When they're right, they can score. So I'd probably be with you on that, leaning towards TCU. Yeah. And then finally, it's the uh, what we've all been waiting for. It's the Motel 6 Cactus Bowl, Amy. I mean, is this not what you were Wow. The Motel 6 Cactus Bowl. You couldn't find a better sponsor than Motel 6? I want to hear the ads for Motel 6 during this Cactus Bowl. I'm Me just, too. Uh, I mean, I I'll tell you what I would do with this game because I have no clue. I mean, Arizona State's going to play their casino defense. I know West Virginia once in a while can score. This would be one where I would just take over and nod in and out of the game, and you know, I think I think they'll light it up like a pinball machine. Uh, you think a lot of points in this one? Huh? I'm going to go with West Virginia here. Arizona State, yes, casino uh, uh, casino defense, and by that, if you're new to the show means they're just, they're just going to blitz and uh, throw caution to the wind. And if they hit it, they hit it. And if you hit it, you're hitting a touchdown. And I think that kind of plays into the hands of West Virginia here. I think they can uh, – I think they see a lot of blitzing in their conference. 
I think they're going to try and – I think they're going to find the places to go with the football and be able to get some big plays in this game. And West Virginia's got a pretty good uh, lineup of uh, receivers and playmakers on the offensive side of the ball. So if you're, if you're in the offense, I think you're going to be entertained in this game. Ultimately, I think West Virginia is just going to make one or two more big plays than Arizona State in this contest. So I'm going to lean – towards West Virginia here. Yeah, the Arizona State uh, defensive uh, coaches, including Todd Graham, have never seen an inside straight that they didn't want to draw to. And when they go to a roulette, roulette wheel, they bet zero. I mean, this is a team that they are uh, gambling. That's all they like to do is gamble on defense. Yeah, it should be fun. Um, and we like – what do you like, West Virginia in this one? Give me a lead. Where are you falling? Yeah, I'd lean West Virginia. But like I said, I just think there will be a lot of points. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to lean into a break. When we get back, we'll sum up this NFL Week 17 for you, give her our picks, and close things out for 2015 here on the Gridiron Stud Show. We'll do that right after this. But I'm piped up. See that boy right up. He up. Hey, man, how many offers do you have? Well, I got about 10. Miami, Florida, Florida State, Auburn, USC, and more. How many you got? None yet. None? (laughs) Is this you? Are you sitting there with no offers whatsoever? Are you a good football player? Then head over to gridironstuds.com right now. At Gridiron Studs, you can create your own profile for free and post your highlight video. College football coaches are visiting gridironstuds.com on a daily basis looking for prospects but they won't find you if you're not there. Don't keep your talents on the field a secret. Put up your free profile right now on gridironstuds.com and get college football coaches' eyes on you. Visit us now at gridironstuds.com or follow us on Twitter at gridironstuds. Gridironstuds.com. Make yourself be seen. And I got picks on the first three games. I'm not playing around. 
I'm just uh, going to do it like that. So kicking this thing off, it's the Jets and it's the Bills and Amel. Right off the bat here, I'm telling you, I'm going with the Buffalo Bills because Rex Ryan, uh, not great for a whole lot of things like getting your team to the Super Bowl or something like that. But in games like this, he tends to find a way to show up. And the Jets coming off of a win against the New England Patriots and then having to go to Buffalo, that's a really difficult back-to-back set for them. Um, and staying in it mentally is a very, very tough thing. And, you know, Rex Ryan, what would be better other than actually getting into postseason and doing things like like that that Bills fans would like? What would be better than ruining things for your previous employer? So I think the Bills come into this game ultra super prepared, maybe more prepared for this game than any other game this season. I think the Jets come in here a little bit uh, tinkered with mentally after knocking off the Patriots. And uh, the Bills kind of ruined things here for the Jets. I'm going to take the Bills. Well, you know what? I almost made this a pick, but, I mean, I'm glad you did because I see the same thing. Usually I tend to love a rematch where they give the team that won the first game points, and that's what happened. Buffalo won the first game in New York 22-17, and now they're catching three at home with the extra motivation. I would agree with you. I would be on Buffalo, but I didn't use it as one of my picks, but you did. So congratulations. Striding right over to Tampa Bay and Carolina. Conventional wisdom, Carolina took the loss to Atlanta last week. Going to come into this game super pissed. They're going to want to stomp the hell out of Buccaneers. That would be the thinking of the common folk. I'm going to go against the common folk here. Carolina, again, I'm going to say it. I saw the looks on the faces there. I'm a little concerned about them battling back from that first loss of the season. Didn't like the body language and the faces that I saw. And then now that you have that one loss, how um, you know how important does this game come? Yes, you still got the whole thing going on with Arizona in terms of um, home field advantage. Uh, is that still in play, Emil? Yes. Oh no, it's still in play. You're asking me. No, it's still in play. But I'm 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 just astonished because I'm like you. I'm I'm listening to you talk here, and I was again. This is another game where I was against conventional wisdom. I would be with you on this. I think. Yeah, I'm gonna, I, I'm I gonna think. Gonna roll with the Bucks, man. Because here's what I'm seeing yeah. with with Tampa Bay. Though they've been disappointing here in uh, the last few weeks, I thought I thought they could win two of these last three games. The truth of the matter is, though they may have been disappointing, they're still fighting their rear ends off in this game. And say what you will about Jameis Winston. The guy's a heck of a leader. I saw this guy going in on uh, some of his offensive linemen and, and some special teams guys in that St. Louis game, like he was a 10-year NFL vet. So this is just something about Jameis, and I think he comes into this game. I think he can get these guys jacked up for this contest, and kind of they need a springboard into the 2016 season, and this would be um, either knocking off Carolina or taking Carolina to the death. And especially in a division game, you know the motivation will be there to, to knock a, a rival out of a number one seed. Sure. So, yeah, they'll play hard. I agree with you. Yeah, I like the Bucks getting ten and a half points. I think uh, odds makers overplaying their hand here, hoping to catch some some uh, some weary novice betters coming to the table. And then the next one, New England Patriots, Miami Dolphins. I'm gonna continue in that theme. Patriots might be a Patriots got some issues. Uh, they're coming down here against Miami, and everyone should expect this thing to be a cakewalk. The Dolphins have looked absolutely like a franchise that should think about not playing a season or two down the road here. And when you get something like that, boom, here comes a team in the NFL jumping up and winning a game they shouldn't. I wouldn't be totally surprised if the Dolphins come out here and run plays. They haven't run for the last 11 weeks, do a couple of trick plays, 
guys play loose, and uh, it's the hated New England Patriots. Let's see if we can mess with them. This is our playoff game. This is our Super Bowl. We are the Miami Dolphins. I wish I could play their theme right now. Um, crank it up, and uh, this is their big chance here. And catching 10 points at home, I'm going to back the Miami Dolphins. So recap that. Um, I'm going to take the Dolphins 10-point underdogs. I'm going to take the, the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks 10.5-point underdogs. And I will take the Buffalo Bills as three-point underdogs. I am... But you're taking, yeah, you're all underdogs. Well, here's what I'm going to do. Since you covered those, I'm basically going to hit every other game on the board that has implications, and we're done. Um, I, I'm going to start off in Kansas City where the Chiefs play their, their bitter rivals, the Oakland Raiders. The Raiders are playing for an 8-8 eight and eight season, which is kind of monumental the way the Raiders have been rolling the last uh, decade or so. Um, but you know what? After almost blowing the playoffs, last week against Cleveland. I think that kind of got the Chiefs' attention. They're on a nine-game winning streak. I think they're going to not only make it 10 straight up, but I think they're going to get the cover here. I, 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 I see some mistakes for the Raiders. Road game. Uh, I, I just don't see this going well if they get behind. And the Chiefs fans, uh, if you know anything about Chiefs and Raiders, that's probably the most bitter rivalry in the sure. AFC West. So, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll with the Chiefs as a seven-point favorite to get it done there. All right, Chiefs, seven-point favorites. Okay, next, uh, you know, in that night game, big game, uh, last time we saw the Packers and Vikings tangle in Minnesota, uh, the, the Vikings were getting crushed 30-13. But you know what? I don't think that's the case this time. I think the Packers got exposed a little bit last week. And uh, this game's for the North title. No one would have thought at the beginning of the year that the Vikings would be in this position. They're getting three-and-a-half points. Um, I, I think that's worth taking in this in this particular spot. Bridgewater seems to be playing with a little confidence. Zimmer's a hell of a defensive coordinator. Green Bay's kind of been become very one-dimensional on offense, and they've got issues up front that Arizona Arizona exposed. Um, I'm going to take the, the Vikings plus three and a half in that game. Okay, Vikings in the in the night timer. And then finally, another game, uh, you know, which could could determine at least the number one seed, depending on how the early game goes. Well, they're playing at the same time, actually, which makes it good because there will be some motivation here. Uh, I'm going out to the desert, and uh, your, your pseudo team, the Seahawks, and sort of mine with Pete Carroll, getting seven points against the Cardinals seems very tantalizing. But you know what? I think there's a little bit of a passing of the torch going on right now in that Western uh, division. Seattle showed me some things that concerned me with their offensive line, and uh, if we know one thing about the Cardinals after watching – uh, Aaron Rodgers last week, they can get after the quarterback. Uh, Russell Wilson might be running for his life in this game, and Arizona does not look like a team that's messing around. I mean, they're blowing teams out, and I'm going to uh, assume they can win this game by 10 or more points. I'm going to take the Cardinals and, believe it or not, give seven to the defending NFC champion Seahawks. A bold pick, my uh, co-host friend, but one that I can support. Uh, especially with how I've felt the last three weeks picking games in the NFL. Just go against anything that you feel is right. And, uh, you know, t taking seven points against the mighty Seahawks just doesn't seem like the right thing to do, which would probably make it the right thing to do. So recap. Correct. Uh, Arizona, seven-point favorite. You're going to take Minnesota um, in, a, in a, you know, another pick that's kind of like Arizona. Like, who would do that? These are the mighty Packers. Um, taking Minnesota is a three-and-a-half point. Underdog, and then Kansas City to go ahead and um, finish off their strong finish to the season and cover the seven points against the Oakland 
Raiders. So that's what you They're going to do the Raiders like the Raiders are used to being done most of the time. Um, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll roll with that one, I guess. <laughs> um, however, that, however crazy that just sounded, but, uh, that's going to be, that's going to be our crazy close to a crazy 2015 in the national football league where, um, a parody is the uh, order of the day. And, um, that's the way those things roll. Well, listen, it's the final show of 2015. I've had a, this, this was the best year of the Grand Ice that show. Oh yeah, we had a good year. We had we had our frequent guest Warren Sapp, who by the way had a great great tweet about the Chip Kelly experiment. I really <laughs> love that one. It was yeah. it was about as good as the prisoner handoff in the Lee Harvey Oswald case. <laughs> uh, Sapp's good for those quips, man. You know, a lot of us Hurricanes were pretty good with dropping some stuff there on the media, and Sapp was uh, as good as any in doing that. So you gotta love that. But yes, it's been a great show. Great year for the Gridiron Stud Show. 2016 promises to be even better. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty safe in handicapping this. 2016 will be the best year ever for the Gridiron Stud Show. So I'm looking forward to doing that. I was happy to have you here all seat, all year long with me, Abel. Always fun doing the show with you. And I'm looking forward to 2016. Back at you. All right. And for all of our regular listeners, we totally love having you here with us, listening to us on the show. We've got homework for you. Let's make this a New Year's resolution. If you love the Gridiron Stud Show, and we know that you do, bring a friend or ten with you in 2016. Let's make this the biggest sports talk show on Blog Talk Radio, and uh, let's keep this thing rolling. For Emil Calamino, I'm Chad Wilson. Happy New Year. Thank you for 2015. Let's make 2016 huge. Thank you for listening to the Gridiron Stud Show. Enjoy your New Year. Oh